To authorize the prosecution of a president for his official acts would open a Pandora's box from which this nation may never recover. Could George W. Bush be prosecuted for obstruction of an official proceeding, for allegedly giving false information to Congress to induce the nation to go to war in Iraq under false pretenses? Could President Obama be potentially charged with murder for allegedly authorizing drone strikes targeting U.S. citizens located abroad? Could President... So can, can I explore sort of the implications of what you're arguing. So this was the oral argument in the case about whether President Trump is immune from prosecution when he leaves office for acts, official acts done while he was in office, apart from those for which he has been impeached. I know there's a lot of pieces to that sentence, but that was the issue that the three-judge panel was hearing. John Sauer here is the attorney representing President, uh, former President Trump. And as you heard there, he's saying, look, it would be a crazy world in which a president can be impeached later on, mostly for political reasons, if people discover that they did something bad while they were in office. Because the argument that the Trump team, this is all related to the election interference case and Jack Smith, okay? Um, the, the, uh, the Trump team is arguing, look, you can't, pres- you can't prosecute presidents because they need to be able to act without the fear that they're going to be prosecuted for making judgment calls in difficult circumstances with incomplete information, as all presidents have to do. And you don't want this kind of uh, possibility hanging over their head like a sword of Damocles. You also don't want the possibility of political retaliation against them when they're in office, which is what a lot of people think all of these cases against former President Trump now are. But again, they go on. I understand your position to be that a president is immune from criminal prosecution for any official act that he takes as president, even if that action is taken for an unlawful or unconstitutional purpose. Is that correct? With an, ex- with an important exception, which is that if the president is impeached and convicted by the United States Senate in a, you know, proceeding that reflects, you know, widespread political consensus, that would authorize the prosecution under the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause. Okay. So, yes, with that exception. So the impeachment judgment clause is a portion of the uh, Article 1, Section 3 of the Constitution says that the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments. When sitting for that purpose, they shall be on oath or affirmation. When the president of the United States is tried, the chief justice shall preside and no person shall be convicted without the concurrence of two thirds of the members present. We're all well familiar with this now because we've sat through now two impeachments of uh, former President Trump. Here's the key part. Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. Meaning, you can't put him in jail, right? You can't fine him. You can just remove him from office and prevent him, disqualify him from holding office. That's what happens if you convict. But the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. You say, well, doesn't that say that they can be held liable? Well, there's one little part there that the entire Trump defense in this case about his immunity rests on, which is, but the party convicted. So did the framers intend to be sure to remind people that the president was subject to prosecution, and that's why they had the second half of this clause? 
Or did the framers want to make sure to tell people that the president was not subject to prosecution unless he was indicted and convicted or impeached and convicted for it by the Senate? Meaning that only those crimes that the Senate confirms were crimes as a kind of a grand jury are ones for which they can be tried and convicted in in a criminal court later on. Well, that's the whole issue of this case. And that's what they were arguing about. So questions for John Sauer. And so in your view, could a president sell pardons or sell military secrets? Those are official acts, right? It's an official act to grant a pardon. It's an official act to communicate with a foreign government. And such a president would not be subject to criminal prosecution. So two clear cases where you would say what they did was wrong, it was criminal, but it does deal with the powers of the president being misused are those things for which a president can be tried later. And if you're listening to this oral argument, you're thinking, well, of course. But that is not what he says. Uh, The sale of pardons example is an excellent example because there were allegations about a sale of a pardon, essentially, when it came to President Clinton's uh, pardon of Mark Rich. And the U.S. DOJ carefully considered, for the very reasons we've emphasized in our brief, decided not to prosecute President Clinton with that because it raised concerns about whether or not a president can be prosecuted for his official acts. There's actually an op-ed in the National Review from Andrew But but your position is that he can't be prosecuted for that. That was as long as it's an official act. I mean, certain cases, purely private conduct under Clinton against Jones, he'd be subject to prosecution for that as long as he's not in office. Okay, so private behavior, you can directly try him in court. Okay, behavior related to being president, official powers, you cannot try him in court unless first he gets impeached. And as he said, there's sort of swirling questions. And the Department of Justice actually declined. He says to pursue Clinton for pardoning Mark Rich, which is alleged to be for very inappropriate reasons, that pardon given, because they thought that he was immune to prosecution, okay? So selling foreign secrets may be okay, unless he gets impeached and convicted. Uh, Selling pardons may be okay, unless he gets impeached and convicted. Any other examples you want to throw at us? This is the one that made the news. This is the one that kind of caught everybody's attention. Ready? Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to SEAL Team 6? He he would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal prosecution. What if he weren't? There would be no criminal prosecution, no criminal liability for that. And when you first hear this, you have the same exact reaction that uh, producer Jake had, which is, what the... You're telling me the president could order SEAL Team 6 to kill his political rival? Biden could order Trump killed by SEAL Team 6, and he's immune to prosecution unless he gets impeached and convicted for that by the Senate? Like, that's just allowed is what it seems like, right? Chief Justice's opinion in Marbury against Madison and— uh, uh, and our constitutional tradition and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked a you a yes or no, yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team Six to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached, would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first, and so, so your answer is. My answer is qualified, yes. There's a political process that would have to occur under the structure of our Constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate. Well, natural questions get raised. Like, but what if the Senate doesn't impeach him? Or 
what if he resigns? Or, well, then why did Nixon need to be pardoned? If you can't be tried for crimes committed in office, if you weren't convicted for those crimes while you were in office, why would he need a pardon? The pardon would be meaningless. You're being pardoned for something you can't be tried for anyway. So, fair questions. What's his response? What the founders were much more worried about than using criminal prosecution to discipline presidents was what uh, James Madison calls in Federalist Number 47, the, you know, the, the newfangled and artificial treasons. They were much more concerned about the abuse of the criminal process for political purposes to disable the presidency from factions and political opponents. And, of course, that's exactly what we see in this case. So he says this situation where the Department of Justice is being weaponized against President Trump, former President Trump, is exactly the kind of thing that the founders were worried about when they said that the punishment for impeachable and convicted offenses cannot go beyond this certain behavior because it's political and they have to convict first because it says the person convicted. This is exactly what they were worried about is the abuse of the Department of Justice or the abuse of the legal system. And so he's not immune if he gets impeached and convicted. If he doesn't get convicted, he is immune, no matter how outrageous the behavior was. All of your other arguments seem to fall away. Your separation of powers arguments fall away. Your policy arguments fall away if you concede that a president can be criminally prosecuted under some circumstances. And she's right about that. He made other arguments about how the court doesn't have jurisdiction over the president in this way. Well, I mean, that's irrelevant because the president could be prosecuted. It's not a blanket immunity. It's only immunity from things for which he was not impeached and then convicted by the Senate. Under um, President Nixon, where there's a pardon given, there's an assumption that you could be prosecuted because why enter into those particular acts? Those examples are examples of purely private conduct. For example, <laughs> Clinton gets Jones makes very clear that this stuff that President Clinton cut an indictment deal about by admitting to certain wrongdoing in exchange for not being indicted was purely private conduct. Nobody has contended that the president's immune for prosecution for purely private conduct. It's a question is, can he be indicted for official acts? So Nixon's interference with the election and Watergate was all private conduct? Well, that is... But you have to take that position if you're him. You have to take that position. That's the logical necessity. But most of us think it's crazy. And so the last uh, little piece here, and uh, by the way, we'll be covering this more throughout the morning because it's just... This is really, really fascinating stuff. The, the Trump legal team is arguing... He can have done anything, no matter how illegal, and you cannot prosecute him in criminal court unless he was impeached and convicted for it in office. Everything else is completely wiped off the table. That doesn't matter whether it was election interference. It doesn't matter whether it was insurrection. It doesn't matter anything else that was official conduct. Of course, it raises a question about whether this was official conduct or not, too, but that's, you know, its own issue. One of the things he said was, uh, look, the president needs to be involved in election security because the president has a duty to enforce the laws, right? The president's job is to be the sort of last resort enforcer of laws. And the judges were like, the what? I think it's paradoxical to say that his constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed allows him to 
violate criminal laws. You understand what she's saying? She's saying, so you're making the argument that the president has the job to enforce the election laws and that allows him to break the law in order to enforce the law. You want to run that by me again? <laughs> and she's, she's right. Okay. But again, what's the reason? What's the motive? What's the theory that the Trump legal team is offering? This is kind of the, the summation of it all. Nixon against Fitzgerald emphasizes that the most compelling consideration when one considers what it describes as policy considerations rooted in our, our, our in the separation of powers is the rendering of the executive branch official unduly cautious unduly cautious in the exercise of highly controversial and sensitive decisions that come up all the time. If a president has to look over his shoulder or her shoulder every time he or she has to make a, con- a, a controversial decision and worry after I leave office, if I go into jail for this, when my political opponents take power, that inevitably dampens the ability of the president. The president can't lead if the president has to always be worried that they're going to get prosecuted when they leave office for making a decision that looks illegal in retrospect or political opponents believe can be used for political purpose against them. That's the argument by John Sauer and the Trump legal team. But as you, I'm sure, grab, um, there are some problems with this interpretation. (laughs) And the judge panel, which is not going to be the final say on this, but the judge panel was clearly skeptical of these arguments, likely to vote 3-0. And one last just quick note on this is, um, as has been pointed out, by some people, even in news articles, two of the three judges were appointed by um, by Biden. And to which I say, you got to stop saying that. You've got to stop caring about who appointed these judges, because what you're saying is that judges are nothing more than political hacks. And we cannot trust any judge to do anything that's right ever on the basis of the fact that they were confirmed and are capable in their jobs. The question of who appointed who you got to have evidence to show that they're using bias. It gets thrown in as if that's a proxy for them being declared Democrats or Republicans. And that is an idea that is undermining our faith in the system of justice in this country. And you just have to stop. News organizations need to stop talking about that. Because news organizations perpetuating that idea is undermining the system of justice that we have today. Period. 525 on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional grade supplies for every industry, even hard to find products. And we have same day pickup and next day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. As a mom, comforting my family is what I do best. Vicks Vapo Stick provides soothing, non-medicated Vicks Vapors in an easy-to-apply stick. And it dries fast, so there's no mess. I use it to comfort myself. <sighs> and my family. <sighs> Thanks, Mom. Vicks Vapo Stick. Soothing comfort for the whole family. And when you need more comfort for yourself, try Vicks Vapo Shower for steamy Vicks Vapors. Use as directed. Vapo Stick for use ages 4 and up. Vapo Shower use for adults only. 
This message is sponsored by the Florida A&M University Medical Marijuana Education and Research Initiative, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. Mary on Demand is live. Start your marijuana education journey today. Learn at your own pace and check out the Medical Marijuana Education Series. You decide what you'd like to learn and win with Mary on Demand. Visit mary.famu.edu. That's m-m-e-r-i.famu.edu. And remember, recreational marijuana is still illegal in Florida. Marry, educate, learn, talk. Guy Benson, keeping you informed of the news every day at 2, right after Mark Van Camp and Robbins on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Come on, Benny, man. The kid is a L7 weenie. Good morning, 527 here on News Radio 92.3. Cold, but not as cold. Not as cold as it was yesterday by, gosh, what, about 10 degrees, 10 or 15 degrees maybe. Uh, and also not as cold as it's going to be Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's going to be back to under 30 those days. So um, you might have a second chance to make that home ice rink. <laughs> ice sheet, really, probably not a rink. It's uh, probably not cold enough to get your, um, your 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 depth of water frozen, maybe just the surface. Although it's certainly with the you know wind blowing, there's a possibility that random water on a bridge or something like that might freeze today. But uh, generally speaking, not so much. 527, uh, let's see, we got David Wayne in the newsroom with our headlines. David? The FAA is now expanding its investigation into Boeing 737 MAX 9 quality control. In a statement, the FAA said they are looking into uh, contractor Spirit Aerosystems, who builds the aircraft's fuselage. Uh, of course, this probe coming after the Alaska Airlines incident earlier this month. The aide that called 911 for Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin on New Year's Day apparently asked the ambulance to be discreet because of a request from Austin's team to be subtle. In a newly released recording, the aide requests uh, that Austin be taken to Walter Reed, where, of course, he was treated for prostate cancer and then later readmitted for complications. Oh, you, you, you don't have the audio. I, 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 don't, I didn't record it. I, I, I listened to it, and I thought, oh, we're, it's, it's basically, uh, when you guys come, you're going to have your sirens on? Yes. Well, can you not do that? Because we're just trying to keep this a little quiet. <laughs> keep it on the down low. Dude, can, yeah. so bad. Go ahead. And uh, fitness guru Richard Simmons says he has absolutely nothing to do with a new movie being made about him. Warner Brothers Discovery announced that uh, a new biopic is in development starring uh, Pauly Shore as I'm Richard so Simmons. Perfect I'm casting. so excited. Perfect casting. Yes, about this. Perfect. Have you seen the pictures? I haven't, but he, I... He looks exactly like him. I can like imagine him. it. Yeah, perfect casting. But Richard <laughs> Simmons, he he's completely faded, you know, into... Uh, Obscurity. Yeah, just yeah. out of the spotlight, so... It'll be interesting to see. I think that's the kind of movie that your Gen X kids are going to be like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me see what this is. And it's going to be funny with Pauly Shore. You got to oh, figure. Be great. Yeah. Uh, right. So, all right, uh, David, thanks so much for the update. Oh, uh, just a news note I kind of forgot yesterday. You know, sometimes the problem is I see a thing, then I report it on social media, and then I do a report for the news, and then they run it. And then I forget to tell you during the morning show, like, because I feel in my brain like I already reported that. Um, the UWF welcome hedges are gone. Remember I told you about that a couple of months ago, that uh, that was the plan, was to replace the hedges and completely get rid of them. And instead, that's at the T intersection of college and what is the other street? Campus. Um, Anyway, circle, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. But they're going to put a mezzanine kind of concrete welcome area there with the UWF logo, uh, like a sign and a couple of flags. It's... um, 
I don't know. I thought the I thought I always thought the uh, the hedges were cool. They were distinctive, unique, interesting, weird even a little bit. And uh, so I'm not a big fan of this, but it is already underway. That whole area is, blo- is blocked off, and the diggers and excavators have been over there working pretty aggressively. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. A fourth round of U.S. missile strikes is fired at Houthi rebel targets in Yemen aimed at stopping attacks on ships in the Red Sea. More than a dozen launching positions were hit with Tomahawk missiles, according to U.S. Central Command. Now, in a statement, CENTCOM Commander Eric Carrilla saying, We will continue to take actions to protect the lives of innocent mariners, and we will always protect our people. Fox's Trey Yingst. The judge at former President Trump's defamation damages trial in New York threatens to have him removed for being disruptive. The writer E. Jean Carroll testified about threatening messages she's received since accusing Trump of sexual assault. Former President Trump claims a lot of that evidence no longer exists. She deleted and destroyed massive amounts of evidence, and we think that the both trials should be thrown out. Last May, a jury found him liable for the sexual assault on Carroll. Fox's Colonel Scott, America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531 at News Radio 92.3. It's uh, cold, but not as cold today. 32 degrees in Pensacola. A man that was charged in a fatal shooting at the Oakwood Terrace Apartments back in 2022 is now a free man. Murder and weapon possession charges against 27-year-old LaKendrick Holmes were dropped this week when a key witness in the case suddenly died. It happens in, in all types of cases, from misdemeanors all the way up, obviously, to serious cases like murders. That is local defense attorney Jason Cromie, who talked with Channel 3 about this case. He says prosecutors do not like to drop charges in these incidents, but says it happens when they have no other choice. He does say that if new evidence pops up, charges could potentially be refiled in the case. State Representative Michelle Salzman now renewing calls to establish term limits for county commissioners during Jeff Bergash's coffee with a commissioner yesterday. Salzman said her bill seeks to put 12-year term limits non-retroactively. Term limits are necessary for all constitutional officers. We're just chipping at it one at a time. Got it. If I had a crystal ball, I would say in four years, every constitutional officer in the state of Florida will be under term limits. Her bill currently has not been reviewed by a committee, but uh, the companion bill in the Senate has passed the Ethics and Election Committee, now heads to Community Affairs. The Santa Rosa County School District announcing the name of its new South End High School. The naming practice was started in December, and three potential names emerged. Bayshore High, Midway High, and Soundside High. To determine the final choice, public school enrolled families from uh, from South End school sites were all invited to vote. After the initial vote, two finalists were Midway and Soundside. 4,345 respondents and uh, the overwhelmingly, by right out of 1,000 votes, Soundside High School uh, was what the stakeholders uh, selected in those out of those two names. And on Tuesday, Assistant Superintendent Joey Harrell recommended the board adopt Soundside High, which they did unanimously. The school colors and mascot are the next to be determined. That school is expected to open in fall of 2026. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather forecast this morning. 
We are going to start the day off on the chilly side as well as we go into the afternoon. We will be warming up into the upper 50s, low 60s for highs with a small chance of isolated light showers. As you go into the evening, isolated light showers will be possible. Temperatures will be dropping overnight into the 50s, not quite as cold as what we've had over the past couple of nights. As you go into your Friday, we are going to be seeing temperatures topping out in the 50s, but we will be cooling down once again as we go Friday night back into the 20s. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Thank you very much, Brooke. And right now it is 32 in Pensacola, 34 in Gulf Breeze, and the cold spot this morning, 25 in Milton. Our next news at 6 and breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne for News Radio 92.3. Ready for intelligent and thought-provoking conversation? Tune in to the Guy Benson Show on News Radio Pensacola weekdays from two till four p.m. on ninety-two point three, ninety-five point three, and AM sixteen twenty. Guy Benson, the brilliant and charismatic host, brings you a fresh perspective on the biggest stories of the day. Guy keeps you engaged and informed. Don't miss out on the intellectual thrill ride. Tune in to the Guy Benson Show on News Radio Pensacola from two till four p.m. It's the show that'll challenge your thinking and leave you wanting more on News Radio Pensacola. Attention business and homeowners. Are you tired of that red dirt driveway? Are your customers having to dodge potholes or even worse, avoiding your business? Let Patriotic Paving and Maintenance pave a way to a better business and a better curb appeal. Patriotic is veteran owned and operated and servicing the entire Gulf Coast and offers seal coating, line striping, patching, and full paving both asphalt and concrete for residential and commercial. Get a free quote today or get more information at PatrioticPavingLLC.com. That's Patriotic Paving. Need urgent care or a walk-in clinic? Go to ProHealth. Post-accident physical to access your PIP money? Go to ProHealth. Drug test, DNA testing? Go to ProHealthFL.com. Affordable lab work or primary care? Go to ProHealth. An affordable Ozempic medical weight loss program? ProHealth is your answer. Does your child need a camp or a sports physical? Only $40 at ProHealth. ProHealth never requires a doctor's order or an appointment. Just walk right in one of their seven locations. Also at ProHealthFL.com. The Pensacola housing real estate market has been crazy the past few years. How to know when to buy or sell? You'll need an expert to help. Tune in to the Pensacola Expert Panel tomorrow at 9 and hear real estate expert Christina Leavenworth with the Levin Rinky Realty discuss current real estate conditions. That's tomorrow morning at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 923 AM 1620. Wrap up your day with all of the national, state, local sports and entertainment news with Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin on News Radio 923. tactic is you're the one most willing to walk away well that's not a good tactic when you're procuring state funds i need to know that you actually care about the project the mayor could take out a pink crayon right on a kitchen napkin say i will take the land if the state funds seven eight million dollars in the budget for acquiring the land and that would be satisfactory. This was uh, Representative State Representative uh, Alex Andrade last Friday when we talked to him, uh, when I talked to him here on this show about the Baptist funding, seven to eight million dollars for a what's we're thinking is a sixteen and a half million dollar project to demolish it. 
and then the city would take ownership. Baptist is thinking that, you know, the idea is Baptist pays about three. The mayor actually uh, this week said that he expects the county to pay two, the city to pay two. Um, there's a, a little bit more money involved in another grant that they've got, a $5 million grant, and that should take care of it. But he has been reluctant to just plain declare we will take the property because he says he doesn't want to get on the hook for a bunch of extra money in case it turns out to take a lot more than $16 million to remediate the site and make it usable. He doesn't want to promise or obligate the city to that kind of thing. And, and Alex says, look, I can't get money from the state if you won't promise to take ownership of the property. If you promise, I, I will. If you won't promise, I can't. That's the problem I'm running up against. Other projects will say yes, and you are saying mostly yes. And uh, if you don't take the land, then I look like a liar to my people back in Tallahassee. So he just says, say yes. Just say yes. Make it simple, like something on a napkin. We talked about this yesterday with Mayor D.C. Reeves. Uh, Mayor, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Yeah, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so I heard everything you said yesterday, and I know you don't want to bicker about this via the media. Sorry, here we go. Uh, <laughs> yep. But is, if the state gives you the money, is the city agreeing to take ownership of the property? Here's where we are right now. As I said, first of all, let's talk about the word commitment because that keeps getting thrown around. Who's committed? As we sit here this morning, as I told told the media yesterday, the only money committed was a request by me that would still require us to take the land. That was $5 million HUD CDBG grant. No one else, not Baptist, not the county, uh, not the city CRA, uh, no one else has actually committed dollars to this project except for the city. That's number one. Number two is what we know is this is going to be a multi-year project, years of time. Uh, Bayou District Foundation that we're really benchmarking as, as what right looks like, took, they're 15 years in right now with 500 units. So uh, the idea that the city isn't committed, I mean, it, this is not just about dollars. This is about – this is – the mayor and the city signing up for years and years of bandwidth and time and energy because we believe it's worthwhile. And we walk the walk. And so, uh, you know, this is about semantics of will they take it or will they not? Well, it's not a yes or no question. What I have said and what I've maintained with our delegation, all of our delegation, including uh, Representative Andrade, is that the city it is not responsible for the city to take a half-funded project. So uh, if it's $16.5 million, that's our best guess right now to, to abate and demo the buildings, then no, I, then I'm going to be honest and transparent and say that it's only $7 million, and no one else steps up, Baptist, city, county, and no one, if the stack isn't there, then no. But what we really should be focusing on is not, again, bickering because we're not getting the right language in the media. What we really should be doing is let's go hustle up to sixteen and a half. I'm certainly invested in that, and there's, there's really only been this confusion with this one uh, part of our delegation. I, I, we talk with Senator Brockton's office every day, if not every other day at, at, the, at the least. Uh, we are all aligned. Representative Salzman, we're all aligned. Baptists, we're all aligned. Baptists drafted this agreement. Um, I mean, they were the originator of this donation agreement that's been in question. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, as I said, we need all of the support. We need Representative Andrade support. We need Senator Broxson support. And we're not going to start now, um, again, bickering about and, and dividing what should be a transformational project for the city. So, so we're going to continue to forge ahead. Everybody I, knows where we stood for months and months on this issue, um, and we're going to continue to push forward. So I hear all of that, but I also heard you say no. And the only, and I'm not saying you're wrong for saying that, because you said, I, if I can't get the funding, then I can't commit to take the ownership of the property, which I understand the reasoning. 
I'm not, you know, I know, I know what Alex has said very clearly, and I know what I think you have now said very clearly. And the only thing I'm bummed about is, I was hoping we could fix it today <laughs> and we could be done. It sounds like we're well, not done, and so you all are going to need to figure this out. And you know, this, I mean, okay, matter, so be it. This is a matter of, this is a matter of preference, uh, as he said on the same interview, uh, your interview. Hey, we're going to find the funding through some other mechanism. So, yeah. which begs the question. Well, then let's be aligned and let's go get this done. I mean, this is not so. So, look. If I were going to be dishonest about it, what would stop me from saying, "Yeah, we're going to take it," and then we end up not getting enough money and say, "Oops, we didn't, we didn't get enough money." I, I just want to be honest. And oh no, I, I and, and I and, and I agree with and, the fact that I, I commend you for being. I mean, I know you didn't answer me no right when I first asked you the question, um, right. but you know, I you you have said what your position is, and I you know I respect that because that's as you say, it's not making the false promise that you're not willing to follow through on, and I think. That's that's always a good indicator. Um, so I, you know, so right. I appreciate that. And certainly, I don't think the level of and I like what you said yesterday about if the county wants to take this on, uh, if they want to be responsible for it, that you have no problem with that as well. Um, that if if that's a better way to do it, you're willing to do that because you want to see the project happen. And I know that's that's where you're at on it. Uh, we're talking to DC Reeves, well, mayor of Pensacola. Uh, I did want to ask you: you're in DC at the U.S. Conference of Mayors, and this is not your first time. Uh, but what is happening at the conference right now? And maybe just give people a you know thirty seconds of why this is valuable. In addition, of course, to you traveling to your sure. namesake city. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, yeah, I actually just walked out of the, uh, the really the start of the conference with all the new, uh, the first time mayors that have been here. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it, this is really a, a collection of of you know people who uh, there are not a lot of people that are living the same uh, situation, deal with the same issues that like that. Uh, you know, that you can lean on and really learn best practices from. And, you know, as an example, the, the push that we had with Amtrak was really born from me being here last year and meeting with the CEO of Amtrak and, and the head of the Federal Rail Administration about, you know, those ID grant programs and things like that. So um, I've got a meeting about how you uh, take care in, uh, of uh, veterans and veterans programs uh, within a city that's in an hour. So obviously very pertinent to us. Um, so it's it's uh, it's very valuable, not only from a connection standpoint, to be able to, you know, meet these mayors and get them on the phone when and when we need to learn something or, or improve something, but as well as just the content here uh, really uh, is valuable for us and, and, and allows us to take some things back home that uh, that maybe we weren't thinking of uh, and, and that can make this a better city. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, it's very, very valuable and certainly uh, been looking forward for the rest of the week. Yeah, hey, it's a Stephen Covey uh, sharpening the sword, you know, and that's a that's a good thing to all and also getting other creative input. I always appreciate that. That's a good thing. Uh, one of the maybe lesser observed items on the agenda, I had meant to ask you about this last week and I just didn't get a chance to. You mentioned it yesterday in the press conference. I think it's fascinating. 30 new overhead airport signs at Pensacola International Airport for a price tag of a quarter of a million dollars. Are signs that expensive? Uh, look, Andrew, I've been the mayor for 14 months. Everything is that expensive. <laughs> when, right when I think I know what something costs, it, it's more. But, you know, the the reality is uh, this is one of those things. I mean, I feel like we have a jail, don't we? Can't my... they make signs? No, no. <laughs> I know that's not how that works, but go ahead. I, I don't know how that works. But, uh, what, but look, I mean, I, this is where I can't ever take that customer service hat off, you know, when you've been in the hospitality businesses. You know, and, and again, the, the department directors are tired of hearing me saying, what does the customer see? Uh, well, what the customer sees right now is, is faded signs that are illegible uh, when you come in and out of our airport. So uh, this is something that Matt and, and they do a great job of when there's a need or a process improvement or a, a literal, a tangible improvement, that they do a great job of jumping on it. So the reason it's that cost is we're talking about the big overhead signs that, that, that you drive under coming in and out of the airport. And 
Uh, right now, they're cracked. You can't really, again, literally, you can't read some of them. Um, and what I worry about more than anything is here's that, per- that first time typical visitor that comes in. And what does the customer see? What what message does it send? Uh, you know, if, if we have you know, signs that look like that, that have some kind of lack of care. So, um, so we jumped on it, and, and uh, we, you know, that's that's the reason for the cost because we're talking about some big, big signs and a lot of them. Uh, but I think uh, it'll give a much better impression for our residents and our visitors uh, coming out of here. And and what's the use of signs if you can't read, Andrew? I don't know what you do with them. So you know, let's have ones that you can read. I got you. I say it just I, it was purely just the price. I'm like, wow, ten thousand dollars a piece uh, almost. That's um, that just seems like a lot. But uh, you know, I'm not in the market to make or replace or bid against. So I, you know, what what do I know? Uh, last thing is um, the uh, Malcolm Young Gym. You came back yesterday with more information that you'd be two two fifty to three hundred just to find out what the cost would be to get it back into shape. And so you think the uh, demolition is going to wind up getting approved now? Yeah, I think so. And 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 again, I I think this is a lesson for us. This is another unfortunate, tangible lesson of lack of care. And and you know yeah. we also had, as you you may have heard, as we talked about Cobb Center and Cobb Center's on its way. And are we going to learn our lesson? You know, are we going to say, well, for, for the lack of care, the lack of maintenance for 20 years, has us in a position that we have to demolish what could be a valuable gymnasium? You know, valuable square footage for us. Uh, are we going to learn our lesson and, and jump on this issue at Cobb? And I hope when we look back and whoever the next mayor is can look back and say, hey, man, I'm sure glad we jumped on that and didn't put you know, that mayor in a position that I'm in right now, which is – and that's not one mayor's fault or one council's fault. Sure. It's just the general culture of a lack of maintenance over years and years of time that uh, has – you know, I'm, I, we have kids coming to this saying we want to use the gym. I'm like, look, I played basketball my whole life. I, I totally love that and respect that. But that doesn't take away the situation that we're in, which is this is a, a, a totaled, untenable fix-up situation that we'd be better off going and acquiring a gym than we would to try to fix a 62-year-old facility. So, so I hate to be the bearer of bad news yet again in these maintenance issues. Uh, but that's just the reality that we're in, and, and I think it's the right step forward. And the glass hassle. What will replace that is some housing that that if you look at what the city has asked me when, when we poll them, uh, that number one is homeless reduction. Number two is, is housing. So uh, we are solving. You know, we forget about that in this conversation because it gets very spirited. But at the end of the day, the replacement is something that is much more needed according to our community uh, of what they want. So uh, we should be in a better place long term. We always like to end with the lightning round. Uh, first one is, um, what would you describe as your perfect bagel? It was National Bagel Day the other day. What is the DC Reeves Ooh. ideal bagel composition topping? Whatever you want, to, whatever you want to put on there, or nothing at all. Uh, you know what? I'd, I'd say uh, I, I'd probably say salt. If it, can I add sausage to it? I guess I, I want to do that. Uh, sure. Everything bagel, a little bit of cream cheese, cream cheese, a little cheddar. Maybe some turkey or some sausage. That's, I, I'm going full breakfast sandwich. Sausage and the cream cheese. I like that. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, man, you got to fill up for a busy day. You know? Right, right. Um, is there a TV show that you didn't watch that everybody else loved that you feel I either missed out or I feel maybe guilty I didn't, I didn't watch that when other people were watching it? Oh, easy one, Game of Thrones. It, it got too far. It got too far away from me. You know, too many seasons, too much of a time commitment, and then now I have to hear everybody talk about it all the time. Yeah, and, and then it becomes uh, like work. That, that's definitely the one. I got you, Hodor. Um, and then the, the last one is in a movie. What's the best car chase 
that you've ever seen? What's your favorite car chase scene in a movie? Anything spring to mind? Oh, man. No, nothing comes to mind. I mean, you know, the first thing I think of is, uh, you know, something like overly cheesy, like uh, Fast and Furious, which not because that's the best. but just You watch you that, that your mouth. Of... That's not overly cheesy. That's perfectly <laughs> realistic action. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry for such a sacrilegious that's uh, right. watch uh, it. comment. But um, uh, no, no, nothing comes to mind. I, you know, I'm sorry. I don't have a, uh, I should have something at the ready for that. That's I'll, all right. I'll, Every I'll once in a while, I catch you, I'll catch you on, but you know, Fast and Furious is an okay go-to. That's fine. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the 90-mile runway in Russia is a funny scene, regardless of what you think about its realism. It's not. Uh, D.C. Reeves is our mayor for Pensacola. He's in uh, Washington, D.C. at the uh, U.S. Conference of Mayors, learning things and bringing back those ideas. Mayor, thanks so much for the time. We'll look forward to the meeting tomorrow night, and then we'll look forward to the uh, talking to you next week. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. I actually remember at one point watching that because my boys were all into the Fast and Furious movies and we were all laughing at how long the runway was in that scene in Russia when the plane never takes off for what seems like a long time. And we actually did the math on it, kind of estimating how long would that runway have to be (laughs) at that speed for that long? And I don't remember the number we came up with, but it was it was something like 50 to 100 miles long. It was it was hilarious. 551 on news. But everything else in Fast and Furious movies is 100 percent authentic. And you don't dare question it. Uh, 437-1620 is my phone number. Hey, if um, if you're 64 turning 65 and you need to make the conversion over to Medicare, call Ricky Stewart. It's that simple. She's a great friend. She's a super sweetheart. Her whole family does insurance. This is the one piece of it that she does is helping people get converted over onto Medicare, which can be, you know, a bit unsettling because you've never done this before and it's a whole new thing. And, you know, depending on your view of government services, you might be worried. But no, Medicare is, you know, very simple and straightforward, right? And yet, people can be calling you. People can be sending you letters, and it can make you feel like, ah, what's going on? You have questions. Medicare Advantage. What supplement? What's Medicaid? Does that apply to me? What about prescription drugs? Again, just call her. Talk to her. It's very simple. 341-2185 is the phone number, or look her up on online, Ricky Stewart Insurance. Hi, I'm Billy Anderson with Anderson Subaru in Pensacola. From our spectacular beaches to the miles of rivers and unspoiled forests, the Gulf Coast offers some of the best family adventure around. And the Subaru Crosstrek and Subaru Forester are the perfect family vehicles to explore every dune and unpaved trail in Northwest Florida. Both come standard with sure-footed symmetrical all-wheel drive to take you deep into the wild places you love. The Crosstrek is powered by a 182 horsepower Subaru Boxer engine that adds plenty of go to any adventure. And the Forester boasts 9.2 inches of ground clearance to get you through every wilderness challenge. There's more than enough room for your gear and plenty of options to make the Crosstrek or Forester fit your lifestyle. In a Subaru, the destination is the journey. So grab the kids and the dog and follow your own path to adventure. Love is out there at Anderson Subaru, Highway 29, just north of Car City, Pensacola, on Online at andersonsubaru.com. Anderson's got a Subaru for you. Let's be honest, nobody likes taxes, but they are necessary to maintain roads, support schools, and fund public services. Wouldn't it be great if someone else paid our taxes? In Escambia County, they do. Our beautiful community draws millions of visitors who spend over a billion dollars each year. The taxes they pay help lower the tax burden for locals. Tourism works for all residents and businesses in Escambia County. This message brought to you by Visit Pensacola. As a business owner, you have a lot on your plate, from managing staff, growing your business, training new hires, and more. With so much going on, you need Avalon. As an IRS-certified PEO, Avalon HR can help from running your payrolls, remitting state and federal taxes, 
helping with COVID employee retention credits, workers' compensation insurance, employee benefits, and their HR expertise. Avalon HR lets you focus on your core business while we handle the rest. Avalon HR, employing made easy. The cooler weather in Pensacola is a great time of the year for gardening, whether it's planting roses, planting shrubs and trees and cool weather color, and of course, planning for spring. This is Mike Wiggins. If you've got gardening questions, we've got answers on the News Radio Garden Line every Tuesday morning at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. And if you miss us on Tuesdays, then catch the Encore Edition every Saturday morning at 9. Sponsored by Pensacola Hardware, Blue Sky Landscaping, Barnes Feed Store, and Lucky's Pine Straw. News Radio 92.3 AM 1620 is accepting applications for employment. Periodically, we have openings in sales, business, news, promotions, engineering, production, and programming. We'll keep your application for consideration when such an opening occurs. We also provide internships for qualified students. Apply online at News Radio 92.3 or at our studios at 7251 Plantation Road between 8.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. ADX Communications is an equal opportunity employer. It's News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, AM 1620, the website, the app, or your smart device. It's news on your terms. So who pays for all this? We hold the patents on a few gadgets that we confiscated from out-of-state visitors. Um, Velcro, microwave ovens, liposuction. REM is one of those bands that I was not a big fan of at the time, but when I go back and listen, it's a lot of stuff that's even better than I thought it was. I think I, I owned, um, I think I might have owned, I owned Document, I think, on CD, and I owned, um, uh, what was uh, Orange? Was that the name of the one? I think it was the other one. Think, yeah. Had that on vinyl. Mm. And, uh, you know, vinyl. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> liquid plastic. Uh, but uh, you know, going back and listen to other stuff, like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Man, they were better than I thought. 556 News Radio 92.3. Hey, if you're on I-10 and you're headed east and you're planning to get off at Avalon or just want to be aware of what's going on, there's apparently a truck just before the Avalon exit on the eastbound side of I-10 that has been, uh, it's not running properly. It's uh, something there parked over and they've got state troopers out in front of it with, you know, warning lights and all that. But you don't have much time past the truck to get onto the exit. So in that vicinity, just exercise a little bit of caution. Be aware that it's likely to be a bit challenging. And, uh, you know, you know that going in that makes it better to adapt to the circumstances. 556 News Radio 92.3. Hey, I got through a traffic report. How about that? He's traffic on the fives. <laughs> <laughs> traffic on the six. Yeah, traffic on the seven, whatever it is. Uh, David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David? Former Meta Chief Operating Officer Cheryl Sandberg is leaving the company's board of directors. She posted on Facebook Wednesday she's not seeking re-election to her post this coming May. An American man is accused of biting a flight attendant during a U.S.-bound flight from Tokyo. Haven't we all? The uh, Well, yeah, who hasn't been in this I mean, situation, come on. right? Every day. Uh, the all-Nippon Airways flight uh, to Seattle from Tokyo was forced to turn around 
Uh, crew members apparently restrained the man after he attacked the flight attendant. And the Justice Department is expected today to release its report on the police response to the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. DOJ officials notified the Uvalde uh, school officials earlier this week that they were going to release the report this week. Uh, the DOJ says the idea is to identify lessons learned and best practices to help first responders with any future incidents. Very good, David. Thanks so much for the update. Um, I, I just I know this is just kind of how my brain works, but for some reason, when you say Justice Department instead of Department of Justice, what I hear in my head is. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. <laughs> that's that's where my brain goes for it. 558 on News Radio 92.3. If you are thinking about that next vehicle and trying to decide where to go, I strongly, like seriously, strongly recommend that you go to Frontier Motors. Dave Ramsey uh, talks about them all the time for years and years. I talk about them for all the for years and years. I did not go to them because they were an advertiser. I went to them and loved my experience so much that I asked, hey, can I do ads for you? Because I love you guys. You're fantastic. And they said, yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, 300 different cars, trucks, vans, SUVs on the lot. You can sample a lot of different stuff side by side. So you don't have to go driving all around town to find what you want. If they have something close but not quite, you can ask them to go get it. They do that. They take cars on consignment. If you need to sell a good quality used car and you, you know, or you just sell it to them. Or if you want a little bit better price, you can consign it, sell it and wait for it to go for that price. You know, whatever. It's used cars you don't have to worry about. One, two, three years old, low miles, great condition. That's Frontier Motors, serving the Pensacola community for more than 25 years, right behind that big buffalo on Beverly Parkway. Be sure to tell them Andrew McKay says, hey. Uh, big brothers, big sisters. Um, the big gala is coming up on February 24th at the Hilton out on Pensacola Beach. You can get more information and tickets at newsradio923.com. The mall ball is also coming up January 20th. That would be this Saturday at Cordova Mall, and it's always a good time for, you know, obviously benefiting Ascension Sacred Heart Foundation and the Pensacola Mardi Gras Foundation, and always a wonderful part if you have not. Great food, by the way. Oh, good food. Yeah, Mall Ball is always, it's a, it's a buffet of so many different kinds of things all throughout the mall. You're listening to News Radio 92.3 WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.